皆さんこんにちは。写真産業ボケポッドキャストのネイソン・ホリッツですけど。Hello everybody. Welcome to the Boca Podcast. I'm here with、uh, Andrew Funderberg, none other than. And、uh, Andrew and I actually share something pretty significant in common. We have a pretty strong tie to the country of Japan, hence the Japanese introduction. But welcome,、yeah. Andrew. It's good to have you here. Thank you. <laughs> when was the last Probably time? Probably the,、uh, the only two. Caucasians in the photo industry that are fluent in Japanese. Yeah, <laughs> and the same podcast together. <laughs> well, the funny thing about Japanese language, though, is that it, it still incorporates. I don't know if you find this as fascinating, but I've been amazed at the percentage, the large percentage of the Japanese language that incorporates English.、Um, and it seems to continue、oh, yeah. to increase as well. I mean, even on news broadcasts, which is kind of one of those settings where you expect to hear a、mm-hmm. formal style of Japanese, roughly 10% probably of, of the language spoken is some version of an English word. Yeah, usually some version. English speakers can't understand the version. <laughs> it's like some version. Yeah. Yeah, emphasis on version. Well, it's, it's really、yeah. great to have you here.、Um, I appreciate you kind of being willing to do this last minute as well. And、um, we're going we're gonna to dig into,、uh, man, what we're going through right now, honestly,、uh, yeah. is what we're going to start with. Because obviously, for those of you listening in、um, currently, actively in the month of March,、uh, this episode will go out here in the next couple of days or so. We're all kind of stuck at home dealing with the. Fallout from coronavirus spread. It, it's naturally fear inducing. There's a lot of apprehension, particularly for business owners, not knowing where revenue is going to come from next. And, yeah,、uh, and I think、uh, to echo on top of that, I、yeah. think、um, within the last even two to three days, things have gotten significantly more worse、mm-hmm. as far as news stories coming out, uncertainty,、uh, and all of that. So, you know, the, the level of anxiety across. The business world in general, especially small businesses, is, is, is skyrocketing right now. You know, and I, I would be a liar if I didn't say I was feeling that anxiety myself.、Um, I'm sure you're feeling it. You know, this is going to be a bumpy ride for everybody. And hopefully, some of the things we can go over this to、uh, is to, we're basically the best. You just hope for a soft landing, right?、Mm. That's, it's going to be a bumpy ride. We're, we're all on a Big giant、uh, jet going through really, really turbulent weather. And、uh, <laughs> that's the worst analogy you could possibly use, man. I hate turbulence. I, I think everybody hates what we're going through now. So <laughs> maybe it's a good analogy. <laughs> so、uh, we're all just hoping for a soft landing. And, yeah. And, you know, we'll kind of go through this. But in order to hit that soft landing, you have to be a pilot that stays calm through the turbulence,、mm. um, has a plan in place, and follows that plan. Yeah, there is a, you know, it's a funny thing. And I'm actually, I'm glad you brought up that analogy, that kind of comparison, because I think about, I have this kind of unnatural fear of turbulence and, and flight、uh, for reasons I won't go into at the moment. But one of the things that happens, if I even know that there's going to be bad wet weather in the route that、yeah. I'm about to fly, I start to worry unnecessarily because、yeah. I don't actually know how bad it's going to be.、Um, yep. There's no way for me to predict that. And I certainly can't control what's going to happen. And then, of course, the reality is that only tiny, tiny percentage of any kind of turbulence leads to any significant damage in the airplane、um, yep. and, and on and on. So, anyway, there's this、yeah. unnecessary fear. I was talking、fear. to a pilot, and the pilot was like, oh, you can, you can fall thousands of feet and be totally fine. Yeah. I remember seeing、yeah. a video at one point where they, they connected an airline plane, or I'm sorry, wing,、mm-hmm. to this large wire contraption and literally pulled the thing up. It was probably beyond actually 45 degrees before it, it snapped. You know, we see、yeah. the, the, the wings do this little thing and, and、yeah. they're. And we're freaked. Yeah. Oh, yeah.、Like... <laughs> so I, I say all that to,、um, I guess, point out the fact that it's easy to 
be more afraid than necessary, or at the very least, let fear debilitate me in a way that's not necessarily, especially in a situation I can't control. So the question naturally is, what then do we do proactively um, during this time that is that is naturally fear-inducing. And, and I want to use, you mentioned uh, to me before we started this interview that you've taken a business or businesses through 9-11 and then 2008, the financial crisis then. Uh, you learned a couple of principles through those experiences that you'd be willing to share with our listeners. Yeah, and I, I just kind of thought of this, but even when I, right after college, I was in the, the Peace Corps and I mm. was in the former Soviet Union. And the there was like a, just a total falling out of all products and everything, you know, empty shelves and stuff in there. So uh, the other day as I was walking through this grocery store and I saw like the empty shelves, I was like, oh man, this reminds me of Eastern Europe during the early nineties to age myself. But, but that kind of process and how communities start reaching out to each other and be like, oh, who has toilet paper? Who has this? And I was like, oh, that's, that's how it all happened. Uh, wow. back in the the collapse of Eastern Europe and and not saying that we're going to have a collapse here, but that sure. whole process kind of echoed that. To go back to um, kind of steering businesses through 9-11 and, and through 08, not to say that I didn't make my fair share of mistakes and, and it was a bumpy ride, but to share in retrospect uh, the, the best decisions that I made yeah. during that time. And we'll just pretend like the bad decisions didn't happen. <laughs> you know, that makes us feel better. But the, uh, the, the number one thing right now is to, is to really at the, at the forefront to mitigate all of your, to, to set yourself up financially for success. Right. So, um, and I think that in general, uh, people are, are bad at this is sitting down and taking a realistic uh, view of their finances. I think in general, we don't do that. Um, I'm very lucky. Uh, my wife is Japanese. And as you know, Japanese people are very conservative with household income. So we've, uh, have always been debt free, always been savers, but it's time to look at, you know, create a worst case scenario in, in your head. And that worst case scenario is not going to happen. So, you know, rest assured, but create that worst case scenario. What happens if I have zero income for six months? You know, what happens if I have zero income for three months? How does that look? and create a scenario where you can make it through that and you know take stock of your savings take stock of your debt how can you push debt out you know if you have rent or a mortgage payment today go reach out to your landlords or your bank to ask about skipping payments or reducing payments going forward look at your savings you know bring all of your savings together get some cash there so that um, and maybe you never use those things, but what that's going to do is, is by going through that process and saying, okay, what happens if I have zero income for three months or what happens if I lose my income and we only have my spouse's income for three months and create that budget on paper, because even if, uh, and hopefully we don't see that worst case scenario, but what that's going to do is it's going to decrease your level of anxiety. It's going to say, okay, worst case scenario, we're still going to be fine. And what that's going to do is that's going to, by taking those steps and take a realistic look at your, your business and, and your personal finances, is that's going to um, allow you to let that anxiety go and allow mm. you to focus on your business, right? So that's number one. That makes sense. I, there's a, 
there's an interesting parallel here between what you're sharing and really, I think, how a lot of photography business owners should be functioning most of the time anyway. And, and, and yeah. sadly, I don't know that we do. I mean, I'd be the first to raise my hand, and I've said it countless times on the podcast now. One of my biggest shortcomings as a photography business owner when I shot for about 10 years was financial management. Part of it yeah. had to do with the way that I was raised and ultimately having a significant lack of understanding about what it meant to proactively manage my finances. And the very thing that you're describing, I, I didn't really do. I didn't take an accurate assessment of where I was financially, set certain goals, and then figure out how we get to that place. Um, yeah. But it starts with awareness, as you're pointing out. And it's interesting, it's fascinating, really, how awareness in and of itself can help mitigate fear. Uh, the very thing that yeah. you, know, you mentioned earlier when we were talking about turbulence and flying, if you talk to a pilot, it's, it's interesting the perspective that they bring. In fact, I was flying just the other day and, and the turbulence, it, there was a bit of turbulence there and it was yeah. making me a little bit nervous, but I looked just a couple rows ahead and there sits a pilot and I think he was, he was sleeping at the time. Yeah. You know, the idea of me yeah. sleeping on a plane is it's not very high, high likelihood. But you yep. know that things are going to be okay. But what is that at the end of the day? It's just perspective. And that's what you're yep. talking about developing here. Awareness for the sake of perspective to help mitigate that fear. And that's a great place to start. Yeah. So so that's the, the first thing is get your finances in order, even if that simply means creating a peace of mind for yourself and alleviating that anxiety. Yeah. And if, if you do side tangent, if you are experiencing high levels of anxiety just in general, or you're a person that's susceptible to that, get a meditation app. Mm. You know, I do daily meditation every day with an app. I just started it about uh, five months ago. It's awesome. Works great. I use Headspace. I have some friends that use uh, Waking Up, the the Sam Harris one, which I know is also great. There's other ones out there, you know, use what you can. Headspace is a little bit more hippy dippy. So um, Oregon, that's a nice fit for me. I, but I have to say Headspace is also extremely user-friendly. The design is beautiful. Um, oh, and, yeah, and it's, beautiful. it makes it, especially for somebody not familiar with the concept of meditation, they, they just ease you into it. It's beautiful. Yep. Yep. I think the same Harris one takes a little bit more scientific approach. So mm. it's kind of does a little bit more from behind the scenes of like taking you through the steps without you actually knowing you're being taken to the steps to get you where you need to be. Okay. So, you know, give them a go. And then, uh, don't forget to, to exercise, get out there, you know, keep doing whatever you do, whether it's yoga in the house or, you know, body weight workouts. My wife made me do this, this three minute ab core exercise off this Japanese ladies YouTube. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like three minutes. And, and I'm like, you mean three minutes per exercise? No, it's no, totally three minutes, just in total three minutes. I'm like, yeah. oh, it's easy. So we go in there and it, uh, man, after two minutes, I could barely, <laughs> I could barely move. I was like, <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, so do something like that. Mm. I've been keeping up my running and even with lockdown, it seems like, you know, it's fine to keep, keep doing the running. Mm-hmm. So, you know, keep exercising and stuff, but tip number two, so get your finances in order. If, if that only means cutting down in your anxiety, tip number two is you need to create a plan and a strategy for this, right? We all talk about business plans and stuff and, and stuff like that. And, and we don't need a full business plan, but over the next three months, what is what is your business going to look like? You know, how can I a generate extra revenue? How can I b pull in? You know, maybe um, uh, how can I cut costs in my business? How can I uh, maybe maybe it means reaching out to past clients, uh, offering album design, you know, albums, wall art, whatever, whatever I can do to increase to to create different re- revenue channels through this. 
you know, how can I reconnect with all of my vendors during this time to show them that I'm still here and I'm going to be there. So they're, I'm on top of mind for those recommendations when those, when those uh, brides and groom rebook their location. So uh, create that strategy. Um, I think business plan is maybe a little bit overblown, but I think the key thing here that's going to separate the businesses that that do really well during this time and after this time and those that are struggling is create multiple strategies depending on different scenarios. If we're looking at, you know, stay home orders for two weeks and then everything's fine, what does that look like? If we're looking at stay home orders for four weeks and then everything's fine, what does that look like? If it's eight weeks, what does that look like? So, so create multiple uh, scenarios because we're all watching the news and nobody knows because uh, it's all dependent on what the general populace does, hmm. right? You look at the head of the CDC. So if 70% of the general populace does what they're being told to do about staying home, then in X number of weeks, it's going to be good. If only 40% do that, then that gets longer. So nobody really knows what's going to happen. So you have to create multiple different scenarios in your mind, get those on paper and say, if this is the scenario, what do I do? Right. If it's two weeks, I'm going to do this. If at two weeks, I see that that's going to be extended, then I'm going to, I'm going to pivot and add on this different strategy and I'm going to do this. So create those multiple different strategies and do that. And also as you're doing that, and this is kind of a tip two point to be a little bonus <laughs> okay. tip is how are you going to set yourself up for success compared to your, your competitors in your market, right? So how, what are you going to do extra? And so that, and I kind of touched on that, but that kind of touches on uh, serving your, your partners in the industry, whether it be florist, right? So maybe take this time. I just did a webinar with Vanessa Joy. Maybe take this time and, and design dual-sided cards for all of your event partners, your florists, your events, right? So one side is the florists, pictures of the flowers and their logo. And the other side is maybe general wedding pictures and your logo and website and set those up and and ping those back and forth, start a conversation, get those cards approved, you know, and then send out 50 cards to all of your partners or hundred cards to all of your partners so that when things turn around, it's going to be the people who, so if you take care of them, they're going to remember that in the future, and then that's going to be your referral lead, right? So how can I take care of my partners, especially those referring partners right now, so that when we come out of this, I'm going to be at top of mind for those new referrals coming in? But it's it's all, I mean, all of what you're sharing, and these are some interesting ideas, all of, all of it's based on a notion of proactivity, right? Because it, it's yes. easy to... In these situations, I mean, you, you alerted, alluded earlier yeah. to the, the fear, the apprehension that we feel. If we mm -hmm. fixate on that, it's yep. debilitating. You get stuck there. And I'm, I mean, I'm guilty of this. Well, it took me, there was a, a day earlier, I guess, last week where I was like, whew. Yeah. Um, oh, and, and B, I, it's funny. I used to laugh at all of this like language like this. <laughs> but, um, you know, be kind to yourself. Hmm everybody's going to be frozen with anxiety hmm. at different points through this. It doesn't matter if you're CEO of fortune 500 company, there's going to be times, you know, maybe it's when you're in the shower, maybe it's right when you wake up, maybe it's at the end of the day. Mine always come at the end of the day when I'm like, okay, today was awesome, but holy crap, what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. Right. And you freeze up. So say, Hey, that's okay. Give yourself, you know, give yourself a half, a half an hour to just like freak out a little bit, but then just bring it back in. Right. Well, and, and that's it. So if we stay in that reactive state, 
we're screwed. If if we're willing yeah. to start thinking forward and gain, you know, use mm-hmm. the word strategy, a lot of strategy is thinking forward, playing out those scenarios two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, and mm-hmm. you come up with a plan and then ultimately figure out in that time frame in the next whatever that number of weeks is, how can I proactively serve my clients? Yeah. Um, we're going to be in a much better headspace. I have to say, after that initial day, I think it was maybe Monday last week, so a week ago, after after that day, getting in the space, which I've been in for the last week or so, which is just content creation for the sake of adding value um, yeah. to to our community at large, man, it's been, first of all, it's given me an opportunity to be creative, which is invigorating in and of itself. But I know at the end of the day that I'm helping somebody else out. Yeah. And that in of itself is also fulfilling. I can't, I can do very little at the moment as a photography industry company mm-hmm. that offers a service that's not an absolute necessity, right? It's, it's yeah. at least looked by or looked at by many as, as an extra. Um, by photographers who, by the way, aren't generating much revenue right now as well. So the idea of asking for more there is not necessarily as much an option for me. But what I can do in the meantime is say, or first of all, keep them manage expectations, be proactive in managing expectations about where our company is at, because we did have to shut down production temporarily. Um, and then secondly, what can I do to add value? How can I help you? And yep. that's what we're doing. And that that helps me maintain a sense of proactivity. And I, I think that everything that you're sharing here is based, it's rooted in that idea, right? Yeah. Part of that strategy and the proactivity, and you talked about is like, what can I do, right? So uh, another level of that is just giving, keeping yourself busy, right? Because it's when uh, it's when we're not busy doing stuff that that anxiety comes, right? It's it's funny. The more you study anxiety, is just uh, making your body move and do stuff dissipates anxiety. So, you know, what are some things while we're cooped up as photographers? Can we do? We can pull out all of our sample albums and do top down photo shoots of those mm. later for our websites. Um, we can, you know, if if you use Fundy, you can go into uh, and design a bunch of wall art mockups mm-hmm. so that then you can be posting those, those, uh, those mockups with, you know, wall art above the sofa or above the bed or above all of those things. So, you know, we can go back we can go and, and all of the couples that we have desi- that we have shot engagements for already, we can go in and design their save the dates for them to reach out to them and say, Hey, I'm thinking of you. I know it's stressful right now. I just designed this for you. So what can we do? You know, we can design our studio magazines. We can re-look at our, we can look at our pricing and packages. So, um, you know, make a list of things that we can do. A lot of that stuff we've been putting off yeah. because we've been busy with, you know, uh, bridal shows and booking uh, clients and stuff. And, yep. and, and now we're kind of seeing now this lull is like, okay, well, how can I use this time to do something different? You know, I'm uh, some some photographers are like, oh, I've always wanted to add a, a headshot brand. Well, now it's time. I now I have time to update my website, pull all of those assets together, and create my pricing around that. There's, I mean, it, but it's all it all goes back to this this notion of how can I focus on the proactive or this is the reactive. You talked yep. about anxiety. Um, the reason, or at least one of the reasons why movement enables us to step out beyond anxiety is because it's giving us something different to focus on. Whether we're doing yeah. consciously or subconsciously, we're focusing on something different. Um, at, at this point, if we focus on the negative, we'll get stuck there so easy. I mean, all you have to do is glance at the headlines and you're just, you're in depression immediately, you know? Um, yeah, that's one thing too, is is I um, I only let myself check the news once in the morning yeah. and then like at lunch and then uh, watch the evening news and that's it. And I'm probably going to cut one of those out, yeah. but don't, don't give yourself permission to check the news every hour. Cause uh, it's, I've got, it's not going to be good news. We already know that. 
<laughs> yes, and the media has a tendency of focusing yeah. on the negative too. So you know yeah, that's yeah, what you're going to probably the, get. We're not ready. The good news isn't coming quite yet. It's going to check back next week. We'll see what's going on. <laughs> Fair. Well, I'm, I'm glad that we started off with this a little bit different format than what we usually have, have here at the podcast, but I, I really appreciate it. In fact, just to kind of break the fourth wall for everybody listening in, when I reached out to Andrew and said, hey, you want to do a podcast? He was like, let's start with, because um, I wanted to talk about IPS, and, and you said, let's yeah. start with some practical information, something that might be helpful in the context of what's going on right now. So I appreciate your, your putting a priority on that and your heart behind that. Yeah, I think, you know, for... Um for, for brands or for educators that are pushing out content now to help people. I think that, uh, and I've tried to do this every, every single time we've done a video with, you know, uh, some, you know, an educator, an industry leader or whatever. I've always tried to start it off with is that, that the message is not like, Oh, if you do X, Y, Z, everything's going to be fine. Right. Right. That's not the message. Like this is, these are tough times. These are unprecedented times. This is going to be a very, very, very bumpy ride. Um, it's going to be very hard. Uh, it's going to require all of our effort. It's going to be all of our brain power, um, everything that we have to put into our businesses to make sure that um, we all stay in the black and uh, come out on the other side. Well, the the silver lining in this, having gone through 9-11 and 2008, the, the silver lining in this, and I've talked to multiple other business owners who have gone through this, is that after we're through this, your business is going to be stronger than it's ever been. That's the silver lining. Yes, it sucks now, but it's after this, it's actually going to be better and stronger than it was before this. Well, I would add the caveat there, maybe just to encourage everybody listening then to or listening in as well, though, that yes, it could be stronger on the other end. It, a lot of that depends on what you put into it right now. And, and I think that's where the yeah. value, at least from my perspective anyway, mm-hmm. you know, when I, when I talk to you about, about sharing with our listeners, around the topic of IPS. Uh, if we if we were to just hit the topic of IPS and leave it at that, that would be one thing. What we're doing is hitting this, this massive topic in the context yeah. of we have a lot of, well, at least some of us anyway, have a lot of extra time at the moment to do things in our business that maybe have, as you pointed out earlier, gotten left alone for one reason or another. We yeah. have a few extra hours in a week or a few ex- extra hours even each day why not put some time and effort and energy into working on these areas that maybe fall short so that, yes, when we come out on the other side, whether that's two weeks or two months from now, that we're ready to pounce on the potential business out there yeah. and capitalize on the market um, as business owners. So I, I, I think that we're taking a really great balanced approach to that. And it's really a great segue, I think, into this conversation about IPS. You mentioned Fundy earlier, though. You know, it's funny. I, I haven't known you personally for, for real long. We, we've connected here and there at industry events. Yeah. Um, but I don't have a real close personal knowledge of Fundy and its history. Can you just briefly share your involvement in getting that company started? Sure. So in uh, so I lived in Japan between '95 and 2008. Okay. I uh, worked for an English school uh, between '95 and '98. Then I started my own English school, um, and it was just myself teaching out of my house. And then we we expanded into having a couple uh, full time teachers, and then. About, let's see, I want to say 2000 or 2001, I started getting back into photography. I'd taken some black and white photography courses. And I, and we lived in the middle of nowhere in Japan. We lived in the boonies. Okay. And I started second shooting for a studio hmm. uh, doing wedding photography, which is really funny. Like people were so surprised when an, a, you know, a white American showed up at their wedding. And they were like, <laughs> what? <laughs> you know? and, and then I started shooting weddings on my own. 
uh, in Japan. I was contracted with three iron chef restaurants. So I was shooting weddings on my own and also running my English school. So I was really busy. And this was kind of the advent of digital and the, the options out there for designing albums really weren't great. Mm. It was all template based, really inflexible. You know, once if you designed a page and your client wanted to change something, you basically couldn't, you know, you'd have to say, well, I can use this different design or anything. And I had uh, traditionally, even though I was a literature major, been very good at math. And so I viewed photo design more from a math problem than a design problem. Interesting. What I noticed is that all of the templates would have an area, some sort of rectangle or square and then have all of the photos inside of it and the edges of the photos lined up, right? <laughs> basically photo design, right? Sure. So I was like, well, how can I do this from a mathematical standpoint? And we, the, you know, version one was just a group of Photoshop actions and scripts. And then, you know, and uh, my initial investment was $2,000 into the company. Wow. And then I would take whatever we made and put it back in and just yeah. kept growing, you know, and, and now we're a seven figure company. And what I would do as as this evolved it became what what's known as our patented drop zones so you grab you know you basically have an orange box and you can change its shape move wherever you want no matter how many photos you put into it or take out of it and you can grab you know between the photos and change so basically it's complete freeform design and we moved from album design to being able to design wall art uh, mock-ups and studio magazines and, wow. and cards and social media assets. Uh, and then we've also added in slideshows and IPS tools. So no matter what you design, you can show slideshows, beautiful, pretty slideshows set to emotional music to your clients. And what we've really created is a, a way for people to create marketing materials, uh, be able to create uh, design assets that they can sell to their clients, whether that be albums or wall art. And and what I'm most proud of is it's given people tools to not only cut down on their production time with design, but to make extra money. So hmm. in our storyteller group, even during this coronavirus outbreak, we have people, normal everyday photographers that are making an extra $2,000, $3,000 hopping on a, a Zoom or Skype with their clients doing an album sale here, a wall art sale there. Wow. So it is a way where people can actually make money right now while we're all in lockdown. Um, a lot of people are reaching out to their past clients. Um, somebody just posted in our Facebook group today that they are taking this time to teach themselves how to do IPS in the software. And then they you know, reached out to some clients and made a couple extra thousand dollars. That's so cool. I mean, it's one thing to develop a product. Um, it's another thing to develop a product that that ultimately enables photographers to add value to their business. And, um, and, and I love that you're doing that. I mean, even right now, the fact that it's doing that very thing. And for anybody that's curious, if you go to Fundy, F-U-N-D-Y designer.com, I've, I've got the website pulled up right, mm-hmm. right here. And the very simple position statement there at the top is design and IPS software, albums, wall art, cards, magazines, and that uh, you can check that out. By the way, you can also go to Fundy Software on Instagram. Uh, excuse me, Fundy Software Inc. on Instagram. We'll link to both these in the show notes. And then Andrew mentioned his black and white photography earlier. Uh, if you just go to Andrew Funderberg, uh, you can see some of his work there too. Really beautiful stuff. Thanks. I haven't updated that in a while. Yeah. <laughs> well, man, there's some there's some great stuff there. If, if you're curious, yeah, I have a. Um, if you go to Amazon, I have a, a street photography book. Also, if if you want to study how to do street photography and how to walk up to 
people on the street and take their photo without getting punched in the face. (laughs) (laughs) That would be good too. Yeah. I've got it pulled up right here on Amazon and we'll link to that in the show notes as well for everybody that's curious, but um, kind of playing off this idea of IPS specifically, I'd love to leave our listeners uh, in this conversation with a few tips that they can walk away with. We talked about the strategy earlier. So when it comes to IPS, are there particular steps that they can take with regards to strategy, getting getting IPS even started in their business? Yeah. If you haven't started IPS, the best thing is to start simple. Okay. So don't overwhelm yourself. Remember that a confused client is a client that doesn't spend money. So you don't want to offer every single product that your lab offers. And just to be clear, to give context for anybody who may not know, IPS, in-person sales. So we're talking about... Yeah, Jerry Gionis says, yeah, in-person sales. We used to just call that sales. (laughs) Fair. Uh, I I will say, though, in the 10 years or so that I ran my business, um, there was... A lot of that time, I just kind of left it to, there was a, there was a company back then called Pictage and they had this whole sales process in place where you yep. basically uploaded the images and they did the sales for you virtually. And we made yep. some, some nice extra cash through it. I just, but now I listen to so many photographers talk about the significance of IPS and ultimately how much money they're making from it. I'm like, my word, the money I left on the table because I didn't just make an extra effort to do so. It's for a wedding photographer. Um, if take all of the money that you make in bookings. Yeah. Right. Throughout the year. So let's say you, uh, let's say you bring in a hundred thousand right? dollars. Sure. Maybe you do 30 weddings at 33, 50 or whatever that number is for wedding drivers. It is very, very realistic to be able to add on another 50%. Wow. Very realistic. I know maybe that's not what you're going to get your first year, but you know, as you practice IPS, very realistic. So let's go back. So the first thing is decide what you want to offer. Okay. So when we talk about simple, when you say decide what you want to offer, instead of thinking about all the options, all the things out there, keep it simple. Keep it simple. If you go to fundy.com slash guides, fundy.com slash guides, um, we have a IPS guide, we have a studio setup guide, workflow guide, you know, things like you can have your album approved by your client before you go through all of the difficult post-processing stuff export the photos just that you need to have extra retouching, send them to you, Mm. you do extra retouching on them, and then you can sync those back in, right? Time-saving tips. So there's a bunch of guides there. You don't have to be taking furious notes because I go over this in in the guides, but um, choose an album you want to offer. Keep it simple. You know, one album, a few different sizes. Choose two types of wall art you would like to sell. Maybe that means, depending on where you're at, maybe that means canvas, maybe that means metal. You know, maybe that means canvas and acrylic, depending where you are. So for example, like most places, it's it's really weird. It really depends on a lot on environment. So if you're in a desert environment, acrylics sell amazing. Okay. In Oregon, with all the trees in the mountains, acrylics sell like crap. Like you can't <laughs> sell them. You couldn't give away an acrylic up in Oregon for okay. some reason. So really kind of figure out what, what will sell where you're at. And then uh, think about what kind of cards your client can use. Um, and I'll get to, to why that that's not a money maker, but it's a referral maker. So think about just those things. Then once you decide what you want to offer, think about your pricing strategy. So for example, one thing I didn't mention is like four by sixes and blah, blah, blah. Maybe offer five by sevens, eight by tens as, as a gift, but you really want to focus on products that are going to make you money. We as wedding photographers are a low volume business. Right. Low volume means high price point. 
you literally could not sell enough eight by tens to pay your rent. <laughs> right. Right. So focus on album upgrades and wall art upgrades because, you know, one big wall art sale will pay your rent or your mortgage. Yeah. Right. And then dial in your, your, your pricing. What are you going to sell those for your pricing strategy? Am I going to include uh, 30 pages, a 30 page album with all my wedding packages to give that opportunity for upgrade? How am I going to strategically price so that I can make the most money possible? And we go over this. Uh, a lot of that has gone over in the guides. And then, you know, start thinking most, most wedding photographers, one of the biggest ways wedding photographers are leaving a ton of money on the table is not by offering wall art for engagement sessions. Hmm. Because you're going out to these epic locations on the mountains and all over the beautiful places in the city. And at the very first professional photo that couple is ever going to have. And it's a no brainer that they would want to put those photos on their wall, right? It's a no brainer. Yeah. Especially because the wedding photos, I mean, the, the reality is you're dressed. Maybe I look at this too practically, but I, I think about wedding yeah. photos, you're, you're dressed in clothing that you don't normally have on versus yeah, very in- few places. Uh, I think, you know, Texas will do bridal photos in their dress and they'll put it up on the wall Okay. and the South that's kind of part of the culture. But other than that, nobody wants, will put their wedding photos on a big canvas on the wall. It's right. Just, not going to happen. Yeah. But you're saying you find that, that a lot of photographers don't offer that as a, as a product for engagement. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And that's a hundred percent. If you make that an offering and you start talking about your clients, they will do it. I was just talking with Megan Allen. You probably know Megan Allen and, she, and I've been bugging her to do it. And she's like, okay, I'll do it. And then like the first two times she shows her clients, the possibility of ordering wall art, they both order big wall art packages. Wow. Yeah. And she's like, okay. Uh, (laughs) should have done this a long time ago that's still me now like 10 years later i'm like oh my word if i had only so you know in funny designer it's super easy to to mock something up you can export the wall previews you can even just email your client those wall previews wow you know if you're too embarrassed to hop on a zoom or you you know say hey you got time i got time let's hop on a zoom and i'll show you some cool stuff yeah and then the last thing is cards figure out what cards your clients need if you're wedding those are save the date cards those are thank you cards um, for families, that's a holiday card, you know, birth announcements cards. And, and the reason we do that is that the, the back of every single card design we offer has a spot for your logo, your phone number, your website, your email address, because as wedding and portrait photographers, most of our clients come from referrals. So if you provide, if you say to your clients before their engagement shoot, it's like, Hey, do you want me to go ahead and design your save the date card for you? Sure. Yeah. You want me to design your thank you card for you? Sure. That'd be great. Even if you sell them at cost, what they're going to do is they're going to pay for postage for your marketing. <laughs> right? Right. It's basically free marketing. All yeah. you need to do is spend five minutes designing the card for them. Which is brilliant. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, Vanessa Joy, even she gives free cards to all of her clients for free. She's like, just tell me how many you want. I'll send them to you. And she just bakes it into the cost of the wedding package because yeah. she knows they're going to go out to all the bridesmaids, all the, the everybody that's a potential client. And when it comes to the printing, I mean, obviously the albums, but even those cards, are you tied in then to certain labs that that makes it easy to do just that? So yeah, so you can you can literally design for any lab on the planet within Fundy Designer. We have like 150 different album companies with all of their sizes and specs uh, okay. built in there. Um, cards and wall art is easy because it's all 
it's all the same size, right? A five by seven card is exactly the same no matter where you print it. Same, same as a canvas. We have a few labs where you can just order direct and click a button will go um, like Miller's and Bay Photo and Graphy cool. Studio. You just click a button and it goes through. Wow. Uh, but you can always export for print and order. You know, if you have a favorite lab that's not a direct lab, you can order through every, whoever you want. I mean, you can literally order anywhere. You go to Moo.com and order your cards if you want. Yeah. It doesn't matter. So you said start simple, which is, is encouraging, especially for somebody who's like IPS. I've heard about this for a long time. I don't know where yep. to go, where to start. Start simple. Choose an album. Uh, a couple of types of wall art and especially focus on selling those engagements. Yep. So we have... Yeah, so in uh, in our design library, we have a set of collections called uh, Designs That Sell. Okay. They're based on normal size canvases. You literally can just download those. They're, they're designs that sell well. Okay. Download those, set your pricing on those, and you're done. So you could literally just use that. And then, then you work with your clients. You can see what sells really well, what's not, and then you can kind of adjust as you go. Two key points about IPS is it is a skill. Right. And it's part of business and it's, and it's going to take you a while to, to get really good at it. When you start, you're going to have times when people buy nothing. You have times that people buy a lot. It's going to be all over. And then you'll kind of dial in your skill. Um, that said, it's a lot easier to learn than off camera flash. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, but you know what I was getting to, I mean, I, cause I love the fact that you're starting simple again, album wall art cards and and i and i appreciate you sharing very simple ways that that our listeners can go and begin implementing these right away but the big question i have i guess is do you do this in person or do you do it virtually because part of what you've been describing has been virtual um but then i know that some some photographers i mean the the whole process of showing this potential product in person is what really sells kind of pushes the client over yeah so i mean the key thing is that you know we're asking our clients to spend hundreds thousands of extra dollars with us. Right. And people will not do that on an online gallery. It's just not going to happen. Right. So it can only be done in person. And, and it's really important that you view yourself more as like an interior designer Mm. or a consultant to help them get the best wedding album possible or help them decorate their house. And you need to do that in some sort of face-to-face conversation. Um, A few years ago, I thought that actually sitting down in person would result in higher sales than doing like a Zoom meeting. Okay. Um, but a number of photographers have said that they actually get higher sales in a Zoom meeting than they do sitting down in person. Is that a convenience so factor it, or what is that? I, I have no idea. Okay. I don't know. I, so I, I think basically it works out that it doesn't really matter. Okay. So, but the steps, the steps are, are this, the most important thing is to pre-design everything. Hmm. So pre-design the album, pre-design some wall art, pre-design a couple card options. So um, you're making it easy for a client, right? So for example, let's say you, you hired an interior decorator to come to your house and they just sat down and was like, oh, well, what do you want to do? What do you want? <laughs> to be like, I, I can don't do know. Anything. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I don't know. That's why I hired you. I'm an idiot. <laughs> right. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Right? So, so we have to come in as the expert. Hmm. And that means, hey, I've looked at your wedding. I've, I've chosen maybe not all of your favorite photos, but I've chosen the best photos to tell the story of the day so that when your kids and grandkids look back on this album, they'll be able to relive that day. Yeah. Right. You're going to get all the photos anyway. If you have a favorite photo that's not in the album, you can print off an eight by 10 and stick it in the frame of Aunt Mildred, you know, that same with the wall art. It's like, Hey, I've designed a few collections that I think would look really great in your house from your engagement session. And I've designed a couple uh, card options for you. So the first thing is you pre-design everything, okay? right? Then we're going to set up uh, an appointment either in person over, over Zoom. 
And then next you're gonna create a slideshow, which you can do in Fundy Designer. And the slideshow is really simple. Um, you know, tag maybe 10 favorite images from the event. So the slideshow is like, okay, I'm gonna do my, I wanna start with the 10 favorite images. Then I wanna show this album design. Then I wanna show this wall art design. Then I wanna show these cards. And then I wanna end with my logo. And I'm gonna choose this music. And we have a bunch of royalty free music in there. Cool. So takes three minutes to set up a slideshow. You set it up once and then those same settings will work across every single project you create. Set up and be like, hey, I'm really excited to show you this. I'm going to show you the slideshow. Then we're going to go through this and you can decide what you want to uh, what you want to order. And that's it. Play the slideshow. Then say, you know, wedding. Hey, we're going to start with the, the album. Let's go ahead and make any changes you want to make. Right. Now let's take a look at the wall. And then you just kind of step through and you build out their order. And that's it. Wow. Yeah. Don't forget to take the money. <laughs> you do need, yeah, you want the money. Last question you for money, you, because yeah. um, I, yeah. I, I want to respect your time. Yeah. There is a uh, a tendency right now for our industry to just, it seems like we're collectively uh, screaming out, I'm an introvert, right? You hear this all the time across the industry. Yeah. How do you, what do you say to the photographers like, IPS, I'm an introvert. I, I, I can't imagine doing that. Well, I mean, pretty much everybody has to talk to their clients and book them, right? Sure. Yeah. And it's pretty much the same thing. Okay. Right. Uh, instead of, you know, talking to your clients and booking them, we're talking to the clients and we're showing them the design. Um, I think for photographers, if, if making that kind of mental switch, uh, because we're all like, we're all artists, we're all a little touchy feely. Like we don't want to be the salesperson. Right. Making that mental switch is like, Hey, I'm going to design the best album possible. Hmm. And I'm going to design some wall art that I think every single day when they come down for their morning cup of coffee, when they see that wall art, it's going to make them smile. Right. Yeah. And if you, if you approach it with that in mind, your clients are going to see that and resonate with that. And they, they hired you and gave you money because they liked you. Right. And they loved your work. They want to give you more money if they like your work for a beautiful album and wall art. Yeah. But, but the, what you highlighted there was the notion of, of adding value. We, we've been talking about this a lot on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, I just interviewed somebody earlier today who was highlighting that very fact. If, if, you're, if you're going into it with an, the, this idea that I'm just trying to make some money off of somebody, it's a yeah. whole different mindset and ultimately a different attitude. You engage them in yeah. a different way versus I want to make your life better. Um, yeah. And in this case, if, if I can potentially print, create this print that you can enjoy yep. every morning while you're having your coffee. I mean, that, that end of itself is just such a wonderful picture. I'm excited yep. about doing that. So just two actual client stories. One comes from Megan Allen, uh, who has switched that she switched to, to albums and like upselling albums. One, her, one of her clients came back and was just when she got her album and she paid like, I don't know, a bunch of extra money for extra pages. She, she came back, she's, and she sent uh, Megan a, a note, basically said, thank you so much for pushing me to do this because I'm hmm. so happy. This is the greatest thing ever. I'm going to tell all of my friends that they have to get a big album and to budget for that because this is wow. amazing. Wow. Another another customer of ours, she's a portrait photographer who uh, used to be a shoot and burn photographer, you know, shoot and just send the files, sure. switched to IPS and she was super nervous. Hmm. And, she, and so she started with clients that she had really good relationship with, you know, she's like, Hey, I'm changing my system. There's this, you know, there's the sitting fee and then, um, you know, and then you have to pay to order prints or, or whatever for anything. You, you can't get the, all the files for free. Sure. And so came in, went through the process and this one client spent like 
$3,200 on big wall art collection wow. and stuff. And after they delivered the wall collection and got it up in, up in her house and everything, the client called after getting everything up on the walls. And she's like, she called and she said, I am so mad at you. And, and she was like, you know, her chest tightened up and she's <laughs> why? And she's like, I'm really mad you didn't do this before because wow. now I've missed out on all of my old portraits that we did wow. not having this experience. Yeah. And we just assume the worst, right? We assume that we're going to make them feel yeah. bad or pressure them into buying something. Yeah. Or... Yeah. Yeah. The wow. cl- when, the, you know, where they're doing family portraits, most people aren't looking to save money. They, mm. They're looking to spend money on their families and, and show off a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate your perspective, Andrew, and thanks for making time for the community, sharing your heart too, and, and adding something of value as it relates to what's going on now, but also something that photographers can plan for in the next two or three months, something they could implement and start generating extra revenue right away. Really exciting stuff. We'll link to fundydesigner.com in the show notes and uh, Fundy Software Inc., of course, as well. And also Andrew's book. We'll highlight that in the, in the show notes oh, as well at bocapodcast.com. There's actually, there's another book too. There's album design and sales too. If you oh, perfect. We'll, we'll put both of them in there. Uh, awesome. Thanks everybody for listening thanks. in. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah. And if you're, uh, if you're a runner, follow me on Map My Run or Strava. We'll run together. Perfect. All right. And we'll put that in the show notes too. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> thanks, All right. thanks everybody. Thanks, buddy. Thank you so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U dot com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.